I don't know if any of you have ever had the experience, but uh, for me, sometimes I get so fully involved in something uh, and am involved in it for an extended period of time, and I assume everybody else knows and understands everything that I know and understand. And I'm concerned that maybe that's a little bit the case with this whole revision emphasis that we've been talking about. I started processing the concept back in January of 2019, and on one level or another have been um, working through it ever since. And I realized we just actually introduced it to most of you starting uh, at the beginning of this year. But I just want to back up and touch on a few things. Hopefully for many of you it will be a reminder, uh, but perhaps for some of you it will be information. Oh, now I get what he's talking about. Uh, revision is a process whereby uh, we recruit a team of individuals, and in our case we recruited a group of individuals who, who had a wide spectrum of experience as a part of Caring Community Church and experience as a part of their uh, Christian life. And we've asked them to serve on what we call the revision leadership team. And maybe you've seen, noticed it on the slides, but those individuals are Allison Butters, Matthew Dickinson, Ed Shaladen, Lori Hollenball, Steve Eddy, Molly Riddle, Linda Omer, and Josie Turner. Um, and again, I throw those names out there. Again, we've put them up on slides. There are things posted uh, throughout the building. But I encourage you, please, 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 be praying for God to give these individuals his insight for this ministry. Coming uh, as a part of this process, I look at what I've been doing for the past uh, seven weeks or six weeks, seven counting today, is kind of preparing the soil for the next step in that process. What comes next is we're working with a consultant by the name of Richard Meeks, and Richard will come and spend time here uh, on four separate occasions, and, as, and on three of those occasions, uh, he will spend uh, a Friday evening and most of the day on Saturday with our revision leadership team, helping them to look at basically all things caring community. Coming out of that, our goal is to have some well-thought-out, well-prayed-over strategic initiatives to help us move forward in the next season uh, or the next season of the life of caring community. So I, I just want to kind of give you that overview. I also want to do a bit of a, an infomercial. Uh, Richard will actually be coming, be coming next Sunday and bringing our Sunday morning message as the next step in the revision process. So again, you've seen his name on some of the uh, promotional stuff we've been putting out, and we're going to mail out some additional stuff. But as you pray for our revision leadership team, as you pray for all the daily prayer guides we've been putting out, please also pray for Richard. As I've said repeatedly, I've spent an entire message on it early in this uh, year about the importance of prayer. And we've been doing a variety of things, trying to encourage us to become strategically focused in our prayers. And we have something coming up. You've heard about it. Lori's talked about it. You've seen stuff in the building with regard to it. But we are going to, uh, our, our goal is to spend an entire 24-hour period with at least one person, hopefully more than one person, praying specifically for God to reveal his plans for this church and for everyone involved in that process um, for a 24-hour period, 
targeting, inviting people to commit to pray for one-hour blocks. So Diana says, I'll take midnight to 1 a.m., I'll take 1 a.m. to 2 a.m., so on and so forth. We've got a sign-up sheet. We've been putting an insert in your bulletins. So, But to start that out, we're going to spend two hours praying here at church on a Friday evening, Friday, February 28th, from 6 to 8. Anybody who wants is welcome to come here and pray with us here. Then, starting at 9 o'clock on Friday through ending at 3 o'clock on Saturday, our goal is to have people signed up, at least one person for every hour, to pray for those things. And, and just to understand, we're going to give you some guidelines to help you. If you, Some of you may think, praying for an hour, what in the world will I do? Um, I pray for my food, but that doesn't take me an hour. It doesn't even take me an hour to eat my food. We're going to give you some guidelines and some suggestions to kind of help you focus that that time. Um, and then as that comes to a close, we're once again inviting people to come together here at the church. And, and we'll give additional information. Once you sign up, we'll give you some additional information. But if you say uh, for each three-hour block, we're going to have somebody that we call a prayer captain. And if you signed up to pray at 1 a.m. on Saturday morning, what we'll ask you to do is send a text to your assigned prayer captain. We'll give you the information. You text him and say, hey, Greg, I'm starting my prayer time. If it's like five after one and you haven't texted Greg, he's going to send you a text and say, hey, wake up and pray. All right? Just just a suggestion. So anyway, so uh, just to give you a little information about that, uh, Lori uh, Hollenbaugh is our prayer coordinator. She's been working uh, with regard to getting that all pulled together. If you signed up already, thank you. Can't thank you enough. Awesome. We've got great traction. We have some obvious gaps late Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon. Uh, don't have anybody in some of those slots. So again, um, and just to make it clear, because apparently I haven't made it clear, and I apologize for that. If you come from Friday from 6 to 8, it's still okay if you want to sign up to get up at 3 a.m. and pray t- again. All right. You're not limited to one slot. We do ask you not sign up for consecutive hours to pray on your own just because that makes it an additional challenge to keep focus. So again, hopefully I've added clarity and not confusion. The, the one last thing I want to say with regard to revision, as a part of this prayer, and I think we threw up a slide earlier and you'll see it later as well, but the first revision leadership team retreat is Friday, March 6th and Saturday, March 7th. So if you would begin praying now uh, for God to use that as a significant step moving forward. So, all right. So that's the the, the revision update commercial. Uh, if you have questions, please, please, please come and see me, and I will do my best to make it clear. <clears throat> By way of review, I won't go over it in, in great detail, uh, but oh, maybe I do have that slide in. So maybe I forgot to take it out. Well, apparently... Matthew, I guess you're going to have to change slides for me. So if you want to go to the next one. All right. So again, the call to revision, just a reminder that everything changes. And throughout, oh, I thought I took all those out. So we're going to walk through these. Uh, call to revision, everything changes. Uh, keep going, Matthew. Um, the call to prayer, we cannot know where God is moving or working and join him if we don't ask. We're going to skip, uh, let me see. Yeah, just skip all the way through those, Matt, uh, to the call to gear up. 
So, so far this year, we have uh, looked at the call to revision, the call to prayer, the call to mission, the call to maturity, the call to oneness, and the call to spirit-filled living. And today is a call to gear up. And I simply put there, gaining spiritual ground does not come without overcoming spiritual opposition. It's just a simple fact of life. If we're looking to gain ground spiritually, we will face opposition. And the opposition can take on a plethora of different appearances. But again, if we're moving forward, sooner or later, there will be opposition. You can go to the next one if you would, Matt. So in this call to gear up, just as I said, there will be opposition. But if there were no opposition then every Christian church would be filled to capacity. If there were no opposition, every Christian church would be meeting budget. Every Christian church would offer dynamic programming to everyone. Every church would see regular faith decisions and numerous baptisms. Every church would have plenty of leaders and volunteers and consistent be, consistently be involved in launching new churches if there were no op- opposition. If there were no opposition, every individual Christ follower would be living a victorious, God-honoring, consistently pressing into maturity life. They would be consistently leading family, friends, neighbors, and strangers to faith in Christ all while making disciples who make disciples. But there is opposition. And that is why Paul wrote Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. You can go back to the other one, Matt. Again, that may be a little different than what some of you are used to seeing. But in Ephesians chapter 6... Verses 10 through 20, Paul acknowledges that there is opposition. And at least, depending upon your translation, most translations, at least four times in that passage about overcoming spiritual opposition, Paul says, stand there. Don't just do something, stand there. Most of us are saying, don't just stand there, do something. But sometimes we get so frenetic in our activity that we lose perspective. And so Paul's saying sometimes in the heat of the battle, the most important thing you can do is just stand there. Understanding that Christ has already won the victory, even though we still have to fight the battle. Oh, let me see if, I, if I'm working yet here. There, was that me or was that you? Oh, between us. All right, he's going to watch me push the button and make me think like I'm doing something. Um, The call to gear up. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul says, Be strong in the Lord and know his mighty power. In order for us to be victorious in the battles that come our way spiritually, it is imperative that we know our strength. And friends, this verse is simple. It says it, but we lose sight of it. We think, I have to be the strong one. But Paul says, when you're fighting spiritual battles, understand, be strong not in your own strength, 
but be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Friends, understand, in spite of your own self-delusion, we never truly win spiritual battles in our own strength. When we try, we will eventually, eventually begin to lose ground in one way or another. Because I hate to burst your bubble, but you're not all that. Okay? I love you. I'm not all that. I just made Savannah cry. But okay. Um, I see stuff. I really do. All right. But, but seriously, friends, we have an incredible capacity to think we have greater resources than we do. We have an incredible capacity to prefer to be self-reliant rather than God-reliant. So it is imperative to understand that in Christ, Philippians 4.13, yes, I can do all things, but only through Christ who strengthens me. Only by being fully dependent upon him. And sometimes we, we delude ourselves into thinking that we can do it on our own, and we also delude ourselves into thinking that we have to do it on our own. Neither one of those are true. To win spiritual battles, to be victorious, we must lean into the idea of knowing our strength. Next, Paul suggests that we need to know our enemy. And again... Ephesians 6.11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. There it is. Don't just do something. Stand there. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Friends, we have an adversary, and it is not a cartoon character with horns and a pointy tail and a pitchfork. We have an, a spiritual adversary who looks to distract, devour, and overpower us. Our enemy is powerful, deceptive, and persistent. But, folks, hear me well, he is not all-powerful. That is why our strength must be found in the Lord Our adversary is a liar, but our adversary is already defeated. Nod your heads. He's already defeated. Always. He's always gonna end up the loser. And the only reason he's not ever the loser is because we choose to let him win not because our Lord is incapable of winning. Friends, he can tempt us, but he cannot make us sin. It's that simple. We looked last week that we have the opportunity, the Holy Spirit will teach us to say no. That's the Lord's strength. Yes, we can be surrounded by a lot of options. But our adversary can never force us to sin. But do not be deceived. The enemy is real. 
and he is aggressive, and he is active, but he is defeated. Luke 4.13, I don't have a slide, but Luke 4.13, in Luke chapter 4 is that passage where Jesus is tempted. And, and again, he's, he's fasted for 40 days and, and he's at a deep place of spiritual contemplation. And the adversary comes and tempts Jesus. And he tempts him three times, addressing some of the core struggles that we all face. And every time when the adversary tempts Jesus, Jesus responds with scripture. Hear me well. The adversary also responds with scripture that he distorts. Alright? Again, we're going to talk about our armor in just a moment, so. Keep that in the back of your mind. But every time Jesus says, nope, not going there, you're not going to win this battle. Luke chapter 4, verse 13, tells us at the end of that, Jesus has stood his ground. He said, nope, not going there, you're not going to win. This is Jesus we're talking about, folks. Luke four thirteen says, when the devil had finished all this tempting, He left him until an opportune time. Oh my goodness. The devil said, Yeah, you won this battle, but I'm coming back. Understand, you will face challenges. And just because you win once doesn't mean there won't be a round two or a round three or a round four. But again, you have the power in the Lord to win each and every battle. Hebrews 4 verse 15 puts it this way. Referring to Jesus, the author of Hebrews says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. In other words, Jesus gets what we're dealing with. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Did you get that? The adversary threw everything at Jesus that he will throw at us. And Jesus took every shot. And in God's strength, he said, nope, not going to go there. Every time, every time. When we talk about knowing our strength, that's the kind of strength that we have available to us. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Every time you step out your door, There's a lion waiting for you. Every time you pick up your phone, every time you turn on your computer, every time you have a conversation, every time you go to work, every time you go to school, there's a lion looking for somebody to devour. You guys have all watched enough uh, Animal Planet and all that to know predators look for the weak and they look for the distracted. They look for the young, and they look for the old. There is an adversary. Just wait. 
keep that in mind again when we come back to the next step in the process. But when I think about that roaring lion, again, hear me well. Ephesians 6.10 talked about in the Lord and his mighty power. And please understand, Scripture makes it clear that the mighty power of our Lord can and will equip his children to defeat the fiercest of lions. The mighty power of our Lord can and will just flat close the mouths of the hungriest lion. Get that, folks. Know your strength and know your enemy. Then know your gear. Many of you may have gone to vacation Bible school. You may have grown up going to Sunday school. You may have heard countless lessons on the whole armor of God. While others of you, this is a totally new concept. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but I want us to understand a little bit about what Paul is saying. And and understand, when Paul talks about putting on the armor, he talks about the full armor of God. Because understand, our adversary is sneaky. If we leave off one piece of armor, guess where he's going to target his attack? The very piece we left off. So Paul was not just trying to be flowery with his language when he said the full armor of God. He got that anything we leave off will be an area of vulnerability. Again, Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 13. Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes... Now get that. Did you catch what it said? When the day of evil comes. Not if the day of evil comes. It's coming. You're going to face a challenge. You're going to face a battle. And again, if the adversary left Jesus but said, I'll be back, do you think you're going to be any different? Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. I'm hoping, I'm hoping none of you have ever had this situation. But I suspect some of you had. You know, you've got an issue with somebody, and it it gets physical. And you you give them your best shot, and they just stand there and look at you like, is that all you got? That's the point in time when I've come to understand I made a terrible mistake. You may be able to stand your ground after you've done everything else, stand. Imagine when, when the adversary comes at you and you're standing in the strength of the Lord and he takes his best shot and you waver a little bit. Yep, I'm still here. I'm still standing with Jesus. What else you got? Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground after you've done everything else to stand. Stand, there it is again, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Friends, I'm not going to belabor the point. But the belt of truth was first. And friends, if we are going to be effective in spiritual battles, we must ask ourselves and be brutally honest. Am I living a life that is deeply rooted in the truth of God? Buckle up the belt of truth. Am I grounded, not in what I want the truth to be, not in a portion of the truth, but am I deeply rooted? Are my, am I cinched together, if you will, with God's truth? It actually talks about the breastplate of righteousness. And again, you think about a breastplate and what it covers. Friends, our hearts must be continually protected by our diligent pursuit of personal righteousness. Friends, I've said it before and before and before and before. We cannot willfully flirt with sin and expect to be spiritually protected at the same time. Friends, let's just be honest. And I I know you've heard me say this before. But even those of us in the church have an incredible capacity to say, how close can I stand to the mud without getting dirty? Friends, if you don't want to get dirty, don't stand by the mud. That's not rocket science. But yet, how many times do we live our lives that way? How close can I get to the edge without actually sinning? I could go off on a rant in terms of the ways in which we flirt with the edge. But you know where you flirt with it. And you have to deal with that. The breastplate of righteousness. We must protect our heart. Then he talks about our feet being fitted with the readiness. And again, some translations talk about the shoes of the gospel of peace. But if you think about it, our feet literally are where the rubber meets the road. Every step into battle, one's feet come into contact with the battleground. Every point of contact we have with the world needs to be grounded. The gospel talks about the message of Christ. Every point of contact we have with the world needs to be grounded in the message of Christ. Every time we contact the world, that contact needs to be filtered by the message of Christ. Every point of contact. We have an incredible capacity to compartmentalize our lives. And and this part's okay for Jesus to be in contact with. uh, But this part, no, we we don't need him to know about that. Duh. He knows. So we talk about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. Then he talks about the shield of faith. And again, you know what a shield is. But he talks about a shield of faith to protect us from the flaming arrows of the evil one. We talked about this in the prayer room this morning. I don't remember who it was. But in my experience, spiritual battles 
almost always, like 99.9% for me, maybe you're different, but for me, spiritual battles almost always inspire doubt. Flaming arrows of the adversary. Ah, nah, nah, you're not all that. You can't win this. You're just a loser. Jesus isn't really on your side. All those doubts come flaming in. And Jesus says, or Paul says, take the shield of faith. Yeah, I, I don't understand it, but that's a lie. You're a liar. It's not true. Because doubt always distracts us and sucks our energy away from the fight. If you're in the midst of a fight and you're thinking, I I just don't know, I'm not sure. Yeah, probably not going to end well for us. The shield of faith. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. But the Bible says Jesus is going to win this fight. I don't know how it's going to happen, but he's got it. Again, I referenced earlier the whole closing the mouths of hungry lions. I, friends, I, I don't pretend to say that I wouldn't have been a screaming hissy fit in a puddle if you're fixing to throw me into a den of hungry lions. I'd like to think, oh yeah, I got my shield of faith, oh yeah. No, that's not me. But it's real, friends. Then he talks about the helmet of salvation. If the breastplate of righteousness protects our heart, I, I just suggest we look at it that salvation protects our mind. He wants to make us a new creature with a new mind and you just think about some of the struggles you face how many of them start right here how many of them start right here some of you know your bible and and again i don't mean to pick on you if you don't but there's a whole story about eve being tempted in the garden and the adversary got in her mind. Oh, you know, yeah, I know you think God's all that, but he, he really doesn't want the best for you. Really? Well, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe he's holding out on me. Maybe, maybe if I listen to you, I'll find out what he's, what he's keeping back from me. Well, he's keeping back from you all the stuff you don't want and you don't need. So the helmet of salvation, we've got to have our mind protected and we have to make choices to protect our mind and what it takes for you to protect your mind is different than what it takes for me to protect my mind there's some things i can't do there's some places i can't go there's some thoughts i can't even begin to expose myself to you've got your own list but but you got to understand as knowing your enemy is also knowing yourself and knowing in which ways you're vulnerable to the enemy And then finally, Paul talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Friends, again, you may have heard this before, but as we look at the full armor of God, the sword is the only piece of that that is both a defensive piece as well as an offensive piece. You can use your sword 
to block an attack, you can also use your sword to initiate an attack, to gain ground, if you will. Friends, be gut-level honest with yourself. Am I proficient enough with the sword, with the word, to protect myself and or gain ground? Friends, I'll be honest with you. Even if I had a sword in my hand, if somebody came at me with another sword, I'd be toasted because I've never practiced fighting with a sword. Just is. And I wonder how many times do we lose battles we could have won because we've never practiced with our sword. We've got to quick and find my phone so I can call up the app and do a search. You know, I, again, I'm old school. I've been there. All right. I'm, I'm older than some of the dirt, okay? But, but I remember when we used to do things like Bible drills where we'd see how fast we could find a passage of Scripture in, in a paper Bible. They make those, you know? Okay? I, I, I'm not saying that made us better at sword fighting, but at least we knew where, where to find John and where to find First John. I, I'm just saying. Yes, those are two separate passages. Okay, just... I, again, I'm not picking on you. Friends, we cannot... Going back to the beginning, the belt of truth, you cannot stand on the truth of God's Word if you don't know what it says and why it says it. And I hate to break this to you. I I know this will disappoint some of you. But when it comes to Bible teaching, I'm not all that. I don't say that to belittle myself. But if you're counting on the 30 minutes a week that we spend together to be your preparation for a sword fight, you're going to lose. It's just that simple. I mean, we're talking best case, best case scenario. If if you're here every, I mean, every week, and this is all you get, that's 26 hours for the fight of your life. And I know some of you take a week off from time to time. Apparently this was the week that nobody told me. But anyway. I I mean, now you're down to 13 hours. I've never trained in sword fighting. But I'm thinking 13 hours to beat somebody who's really good with a sword probably isn't going to get it done. All right. So I, again, the full armor then let's let's just wrap up with know your god and paul makes it clear the way that we do that in this is to pray and pray in the spirit now again you know how i said He said, stand, stand, stand. When you've done anything else, stand. Same thing here. And pray in the Spirit, okay? Pray in the Spirit. On all occasions, okay? When do we pray? All occasions. How do we pray? All kinds of prayers. 
and requests. You know, I, we're talking the emergency prayers. We're talking the strategic intentional prayers. We're th- talking the oh, by the way prayers. We're talking Lord help me, Lord help them. We're talking all the time, all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I'm going to pick on you, and I'll just own it, okay? Remember I talked earlier about praying for an hour, and our just head explodes. What am I going to do? How am I going to pray for an hour? I, I, I get it. I get it. All occasions... Okay, got that. All kinds of prayers and requests. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I don't know if you've counted, but that's a lot of people. I mean, if you just prayed for everybody you knew for 10 seconds, you'd probably fill an hour, all right? And some of them, let's be honest, need more than 10 seconds, right? (laughs) Okay. Elbow them if they're sitting next to you. But anyway, all right. And, and, and then, okay. So, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. This, this is how we win the battle, folks. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And then Paul says, pray also for me, that whatever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Friends, the battle is God's. He has a plan. He has more power than the enemy. He's already victorious. So why in the world wouldn't we communicate directly with him at each and every step of the battle? All occasions, all kinds of prayers, always alert, all the time, for all the Lord's people, especially for those in leadership. Why? Why would that not be what drives us? The only thing I can say is I think many times, especially when we're comfortable, we forget that we're in a battle. And sometimes when we're in the battle, we forget the resource that we have or we think we can win it on our own. And you can't. Pray with me, please. Father, you've instructed us that we pray in the power of your Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers, all kinds of requests, always praying for your people. Father, my my closing is really simple. Just help us to do just that. Help us to know our strength. Help us to know our enemy and to know that he's defeated. Help us to know the gear that you've given us so that we can win this battle. And help us to know you more and more and more and more because that's what overcomes the flaming arrows of doubt. 
we think if we understand enough, it won't happen. But in reality, sometimes the more we understand, the more we're tempted to doubt. So, Father, we just ask that you would help us to become your warriors daily, making an investment in improving our skill set so that we're ready for the fight. That when we step out the door and that lion's there saying, yep, I expected you and I'm ready. I got this because God's got this. We ask this in the full presence and power of your son's name. It is in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Greg? Always. Okay, so I have... It's a big sheet of paper. Hang on just a second. Um, have names written down for our prayer visual. As you can see, there are a few blanks that we need. Um, someone asked me, how can I pray for an hour? Look at it this way. It's not a prayer. It's a conversation with the Lord. Okay, You're asking him to help you through some things that you're struggling with. You're praying for people that need you, his help. Um you're praising for all the blessings that he gives you. And, and um, sorry, it's a little bit emotional. I'm thinking about some of the things in the past year that, in the couple of years that I've prayed for. I can remember sitting in this church and I was just literally devastated because Mike had gotten some news that could have been really bad. And I was just like, what am I going to do without him? I've been around him for almost 40 years. Uh, it's hard to, to be thinking about that. And in the middle of all the songs, everything got really quiet in my mind. And a little voice said, it's going to be okay. That's what prayer is. It's that little voice that you get. That you're telling, you're talking to the Lord, you're just having a conversation. So I need an hour of your time. Okay? You can be out on the lake fishing. Hopefully on the ice, but it might have to be a boat. It's Michigan. Um, it can be driving a truck, but please don't close your eyes. Okay, right? Uh, it can be here, Friday night or Saturday night. But we do need your help. We need prayers to see where this church is going. And I look out and I see so many of the things. The playground. I mean, that was huge. That came together in such a short time. And we made it happen with a lot of prayers. So, um... God is mighty. You ask and you receive. Sometimes you're not going to see that, but somebody else might. So I'll be in the back after church and sign on a piece of paper because it's still there. You can tear it off. You can think about it. You can pray about it. I still need a few prayer captains. How many holes do I have? Uh Two, or one prayer captain and lots of other slots. So please, please, two please. Prayer captains. I apologize. Two prayer captains. All right. So, thank you. Not that I keep score, but I looked at that sheet 